Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors. The podcast which reveals everything you ever need to know about interiors and explains how to make it all really work for you in your home. I'm Kate Watson-Smythe. And I'm Sophie Robinson. And this is your warm reminder <laughs> that you can sign up and be a member of The Great Indoors Insiders. Oh, we do love our insiders. As a member... You not only get to support the podcast, that's right, help me and Kate create this Bobby Dazzler of an episode week on week, but you also get to enjoy ad-free listening. We also offer you bonus content, which could be exclusive interviews, you get a weekly newsletter, and first dibs on ticketed events. Oh, you're all chomping at the bit, I can tell. What do you need to do? You need to visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com and sign up there. See you on the other side. And meanwhile, today we are so excited to bring you our regular style surgery where we dive into your design dilemmas to help you make the most of your own places and spaces. And we've got lots going on today, which hopefully when we try and pick these, will we'll resonate with all of you, even though it's one person's specific issue. So we've tried to look at a range of topics which hopefully will help you all. I tell you what, what I love about this star surgery, do you know what, is it probably is our most popular episode of the month because I think everybody likes to get in and uh, imagine other people have got problems too and work out what advice you'd give someone. Obviously, me and Kate often have quite different ideas. So yeah, we love a star surgery, don't we? So what's up first? I think we've got a good one, haven't we, from Ross which I think is going to resonate with some. That's right, it's kitchen makeover time. So he starts off with love to... Love you both in the podcast, avid listener from day one. Ross, back at you. <laughs> so Ross says, I'd love to do a kitchen makeover on a budget. Brackets, less than a thousand pounds kitchen makeover he says the bones are fine it's tiny but i'd love to spray the cupboards fit new handles to elevate it it has a scratched wooden worktop which i'd love to ditch any ideas of painting the cupboards nicely replacing the worktop on the cheap 
There's some white tiles I'd like to colour up and bring to life. Do you think that's doable? Floor tiles, which I don't love. I'd love some vibrant rubber flooring over that. And it has a bright red smeg, which we inherited from the previous owner. So I'm thinking to roll with that and brighten it all up into a vibrant Italian kitchen vibe. Ave Maria, Covent Garden kind of vibes. Don't despair, Kate. The rest of the house is definitely more earthy and to your taste. It's so small and unloved because it was inoffensive and newish, so I couldn't really warrant doing anything we moved in. But every other room screams us, and this, well, this needs some work. Well, I mean, what's interesting is he's got quite a long laundry list for under a thousand pounds. It's all very durable, though, Ross. It really is because there are some great products hacks and DIY things on the market which is absolutely going to help you bring this tired tatty kitchen up to date and I'm loving your design brief Ava Maria Covent Garden kind of vibes I mean we're here for that aren't we going a bit Dolce Cabana with it as well with your red smeg I'm thinking so you can paint kitchen cupboards it kind of depends what sort of cupboards they are whether they're solid wood which has got a light varnish on the top, or whether they're laminate, um, you're going to need different products for different things. But let's go with the fact that they're probably laminate, because even wood doors, quite often you find out it's not real wood. It's actually a printed vinyl that's been shrink-wrapped onto MDF. You want to use an all-surface primer on these. This could be a brand like Zinza, is very popular with decorators. There are people like Little Green, Dulux, other brands who do all surface primers and what this, it's in the most remarkable products because you can paint it on anything you can paint it on your laminate you can paint it on wood you can paint it on glass sticks to everything paint it on metal and it prepares the surface for your top coat of a chosen color and this could be applied with a roller and then quite often you roller it and then you can do a brush if you want a brushed finish or you could spray it. That's a little bit more technical. I've never sprayed anything. When I worked on Dream Home Makeovers, some of the decorators had quite swanky spray guns and they use that, but they're, they're, they're quite a bit of kit, a proper spray gun. Or of course, you can send all the doors away to a company who can do a professional spray finish. But that's creeping out of your 1K budget, I would suggest. Yeah, I think it's a DIY, isn't it? I think you're doing it yourself, Ross. Considering all the other things you want doing for your £1,000 as well, that is. One other thing to say just on the paint is Annie Sloan, who we've had on this podcast before, she does a lot of YouTube tutorials on painting your kitchen cupboards, obviously using her paint, which I think she says you don't need to prep because it's been specially formulated, but have a look at AnyTube kitchen cupboard YouTube painting tutorial. And that's all about, a lot of it is to do with the what they call the curing time. So just leave it long enough between coats to really dry and harden before you do another coat. And that way it will be more durable. Right. Colours done. Handles. Yeah, handles, brilliant. But then again, handles can be expensive. So yeah. you're going to need to shop around a bit. But I find this is where Google is your friend. You know, I've done budget makeovers in the past. And sometimes some of these websites like handles for number four you. <laughs> Com. <laughs> you know, there's just so many. So I couldn't really give you any particular brand to look at. It depends on the style of handle. But yeah, I think absolutely get something a bit more contemporary or you could go traditional. I don't know. It depends what you're... I mean, we're going for this kind of Italian 
vibe what 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 handle would you have if you were doing italy i'm i'm not sure i'd have a particular italian handle because i think a lot of italian kitchens which are more rustic would have no doors on they might have shelves and and curtains but if he's got cupboards doors then stick with them what i would say is perhaps cost the rest of it out and maybe the handles because that's the touch point that's the detail that might be where you you spend a bit more. So I would be tempted to come back to the handles at the end and see what you've got left. The other thing to do, of course, is check eBay for handles because when I when I did a kitchen uplift on my kitchen many years ago, I sold all the old handles on eBay and there was nothing wrong with them. They were lovely handles. I just wanted something different. So um, yeah, so eBay, Facebook Marketplace can be your friend for these kind of things. Scratched wooden worktop, which I'd like to ditch. Well, I'd just press pause on that for a minute Ross because the great thing about a solid wood worktop is you can revive them and bring mm. them back to life if they're scratched or stained I had um again on dream home makeovers we did a budget kitchen and this wooden worktop was so bad even like all around the sink it had gone really dark like the wood had stained really dark with water damage because it hadn't been looked after properly but we got a electric sander you know one of those ones you plug in and gave it a really good going over and probably took about a millimetre of the wood off, I imagine, by the time we'd finished with it. And it got rid of all the scratches and all the staining. And then we um, retreated it with a Danish type oil or an Osmo oil to reseal it and absolutely brought it back to life. So I would try that before you rip it out because that is going to be a huge part of your budget replacing the worktop. I think you'd struggle to get a, a nice worktop and do everything else for under a thousand pounds. So I think you, yes, I absolutely agree with that. Keep keep it if you can. If it's beyond repair, I've seen people, um, I'm thinking of the lovely Anna Jacobs for one, who shrink wrapped her worktop in a kind of like sticky black plastic to look like marble and she maintains it's it's handled itself quite well I mean I worry that something like that could start looking tatty within the year because again it's not really designed to have things chopped on it it is just a thin piece of plastic yeah I mean you'd have to be really militant about your chopping boards about your trivets for hot pans and all that thing so I mean that sort of comes down to how you cook but that but that's an option for sure and then other than that, my third budget worktop option, if it is being ripped out, probably one of the more affordable worktops is going to be in the laminate section rather than the solid wood or the composites or anything. I don't think that's very Ave Maria. Can I just say? Oh, I don't know. I think they've come on leaps and bounds. I mean, I think you could have like a bright red worktop, couldn't you, to match your smeg fridge? Mm. Could look really good. Go. That's what I, I tend to do with the laminates is I go for a colour rather than a faux a faux wood oh, yes, or a faux absolutely. marble because I think they can look a bit dodge but you can get them in the most remarkable solid colours yeah that would be fun actually is that allowed that would be fun okay that's allowed I'll allow that so we're still budget so tiles tiles well I mean again with with paint people are painting tiles more and more now aren't they and I tell you who to look up because I still don't know how she's done it but I'm in awe Rainbow Rosalind we've mentioned her before because she was spraying her shower fittings oh yeah she has also put some very cheap white tiles in one of her showers and has sprayed them all different colours. Minty green, yellow, pink and white in a pattern. And she spent a lot of time with the tape, yes, I bet taping up various bits of tiles and spraying one colour and then waiting till it was dry and spraying the next bit. But she's using it in the shower. It looks amazing. Now, obviously, I don't know what it's going to look like in a year or two years. We'll have to go back to her. But you can absolutely spray 
or paint your tiles. And and you can get tile stickers. I mean, actually, tiles nowadays are one of the easy fixes. Yeah, that's true. I'd go down the sticker route because I think you could get some really lovely Italianate, crazy patterned. I mean, you know, I'm channeling this very, <laughs> really kitsch, bright Italian kind of gelato. <laughs> Look, I'm not sure Ross is completely on board with this, but I'm going to roll with it because I'm having fun with it. Um, but yeah, a patterned, patterned decal that you stick on your tile. I mean, the thing is with the paint is when that starts to scratch and flake, it's actually going to be really hard to get off. What's great about stickers is if you do get bored of them, they're easy to get rid of and they take you back to white and then you can have something else. So we end there. If you've restored your worktop and you're not replacing it and you've changed your handles and everything else, we've still got a certain amount of budget left. And as you say, you don't say what the floor tiles are, just that you don't love them. Again, you don't tell us how big your kitchen is, so I don't know if you can get a rubber floor for a £1,000, but I'm thinking replacing the flooring is going to be the big budget item. I don't know whether these tiles, you've got a stone or lino, but I think that might have to be a new floor. You would. You'd go for a new floor, would you? Because you can paint floor tiles, of course, as well. You can paint floor tiles, although, I, again, I don't know how hard wearing it I think be. it could be quite good if you do numerous coats of a proper floor paint which again is a specialist product. Don't go using emulsion or regular gloss paint or any of these things. You want a proper hard wearing floor paint. Plenty of coats, so you get really good coverage. Make sure it hardens well in between each coat. It can look really amazing. One thing to bear in mind though, is that the floor tiles that are already laid are in really good quality. If they're chipping or they're lifting or the grout is kind of like pulling out paint is just going to look hideous on that so you want to even if the floor ties are well laid in good condition and robust paint them if they're looking flaky and rubbish then I think it's time to put something else in their place what you can put which I think is very affordable and certainly if it's a small a small room is lino or vinyl tiles and they've got loads of checkerboard patterns around at the moment which is super fashionable and really fun you know red and cream tiles to stick with Ave Maria and the red fridge or black and white, black and cream, which is classic and would again look lovely with a bright red fridge. So have a look at that. I mean, Harvey Maria does vinyl, doesn't it? And you can get lino, which is much more eco. And that's that's a sort of quite a more affordable floor solution for replacing it. They're not the cheapest, those floors. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I think, like you say, that's probably where the majority of the budget will potentially go. Anyway, I think we've uh, we've just designed Ross's kitchen for him. I can't wait to see the reveal. Yeah, absolutely. And next up, we have Alice with a question on fitting your decor to your mood. Such a key dilemma and one that's right up Sophie's street. So Sophie, let's hear from Alice. So Alice says, since making an offer on a house in May, I have listened through the whole back catalogue. Safe to say I'm a huge fan. And I don't think you've covered the design dilemma I am now facing since moving into our my husband and I's lovely new home. We have two floors of living space. Bottom floor is a kitchen and dining room and above that is our shared office and living room. On each floor, the rooms are separated by double doors. The house is late Victorian. So they're quite connected, but it's not open plan. On each floor, we want each room to have a distinct feel based on the use of the room. This is especially important for our office living room floor. But how do we manage this when the rooms are so connected, but still separate? Do they need to coordinate? Should the same colour palette be used? Or does it not matter? And living in a disjointed space wouldn't be bad. Also, throw in the mix, 
The house is on the north-south axis with the kitchen and the office both south-facing and the dining room and living room are north-facing. The dining room is especially dark. I used to love watching changing rooms when I was a kid and this is my first house that I can decorate and I'm so excited and so nervous to get it right. Please help. Whew. Alice is tying herself in knots right now, isn't she? I love it. I think this comes down to two key points. One of which is the red thread cohesively connecting all the rooms and the other is something which we we have really need to get into and I think is fascinating is matching the mood or the purpose of the room to the colours you like you agree with me on that yeah so therefore as I've said before I've used the example let's let's take emerald green so Sophie loves a bright emerald green that makes her feel creative buzzy energised, ready to do some work. Her office has this wallpaper mural in it, which has lots of greens, including emerald, because it's trees. I quite like looking at Sophie on the Zoom when we're recording this podcast, but that ain't going to be a room I can do any work in because emerald green is too much for me. And when I'm writing, which is the bulk of my work, I need to feel calm and not distracted. So the first thing you've got to do, Alice, is we can't answer this for you. You've got to look at the sort of broad spectrum of colours you like and work out which shade gives you which mood, what makes you feel relaxed, what makes you feel optimistic, to hark back to last week's show, what makes you feel like you're ready to work, ready to focus, or ready to flop down and watch telly. Yeah, brilliant. No, of course. So that's the starting point. But then I'm also interested in the second element of this question, which is this idea of flow and connectedness and rooms feeling and looking different, but still being part and part of the same house. And then Alice actually says, does it not matter? Is living in a disjointed space bad? Yes, Alice, it is, is what I just need to tell you. I mean, the whole question, would it be not too bad to live in a disjointed space? No, it would, you don't want... It would be terrible. It would be terrible, Alice. We're not going to allow you to do that. But at the same time, we don't want your home to be one homogenous one thing. And as Kate's already said, there are different colours for different moods, for different purposes. So what you really need to do is think of an edit of colours, materials, patterns, design references that's your thing and repeat them throughout the house. So for example, I I mean, Alice, you've just got to look at my house. No two rooms are remotely the same in decoration at all. I've got a really light and bright, highly patterned conservatory. And as you move all the way through to the other end of the house, I've got a dark chocolate brown TV snug. Like two different decorations going on. One is dark and cocooning because we watch TV in the evenings and those are the colours that are right for the mood that I'm doing in there. And the other end of the house is a room we use in the daytime. So it's light and bright and convivial and jolly. But I always have a floral and I always have an English botanical floral print in all my room schemes. I always sort of have the same materials for door handles, light switches, metallics. My sort of colours are brass and bronze. Those are the metallics I use. I always have a blend of vintage pieces. So there's a lot of vintage furniture in all my schemes. But then I also always have modern art. So I don't have any really old fashioned paintings in my house. A lot of my paintings are kind of bold, abstract paintings. So it's just that repetition of a few things that I like repeated through the house, I think, makes the whole house flow and not feel disjointed. And that's me with a lot of colour. It's a lot easier if, like Kate, 
you have a much more limited colour palette. But it's interesting you talk as well, because obviously I live in a, in a late Victorian house and I dreamt of installing original double doors between all the rooms. But, you know, we budget didn't run to that. You have them. So as you say, you have that option to have a room open and make it bigger or cut it off. So there does need to be a link between the two. So, for example, one way you could do something is perhaps have the walls in the lighter half of the room in one colour and then in the back half of the the room which can be sectioned off you might just have the ceiling in that color or you might have the same woodwork skirting board throughout both rooms but change the color of the walls and you talk about north south you know have one darker color one lighter so you can go more tonal and as Sophie says, you know, certain colours pop up again. So I'm looking at her as we record this on the Zoom and she's got a cobalt blue door behind her. And I know that in another room she might have, she's got a cobalt blue landing. So she's got a wall in one colour, but she's got a door in the same colour. That's a different texture. I'm going to say she has actually, I've just remembered, she's got a bedspread in another room, which has got that cobalt blue on it. So you can have as, as few colours as I have, which might only in broad terms be about five, or you might have more like 15, which will be Sof Sophie's, but you're repeating them in different textures and materials throughout the house to make it feel cohesive. That's the red thread. You might have a velvet headboard and a velvet sofa and you might have a, a marble clock and a marble worktop. So you're repeating materials throughout the space. The colours, you're kind of on your own. You've got to work out the colours you like and the moods. But in terms of bringing it all together, that's how you do it. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Our next question is from Emily. Emily says, I am a new listener and quickly going through the back catalogue of the podcast. My husband and I just bought our first house and it is a bit of a fixer-upper. Specifically, the carpet is terrible and in almost every room, even the kitchen... That's a look, isn't it? We want to completely redo the living room slash kitchen space. Right now, they are separated by strange walls that don't go all the way up to the ceiling. And they're also covered in mirrors on one side. Although I'm all for knocking down the wall, I do still want to make the kitchen look and feel different from the rest of the living area. So here's the dilemma. Right, pay attention. One, knock down the wall and partition it with paint. Two, knock down the wall and separate it with flooring. Three, leave a bit of wall and turn it into a breakfast bar situation. Four, a mix of those things. Five, something else <laughs> I haven't thought of. <laughs> oh my God, what a brilliant dilemma. Can we just pause and go carpet in the kitchen? I don't think I have ever seen that in my entire life. No, I've never seen that. Well, I think I saw carpet tiles in a kitchen many, many oh, years ago. Maybe that's what it is. Anyhow. Yeah, anyhow, that's just a given no, listeners. No carpet in your kitchen. That's just not hygienic. So it's kind of an open plan living room kitchen space, but she's obviously not happy with the present situation. 
So what are the options, Kate? Knock down the wall and use paint. Yes, you could absolutely do that. That'd be brilliant. Get a completely open plan and zone out your living area by maybe painting the corner in a different color. When she says using, is flooring an option? I wouldn't have two different types. I'm not a massive fan of different flooring within an open plan space. I'd rather see a rug, for example, in the living room area, like a really huge area rug, and then the rest of the room in a hard flooring, which is more hygienic for the kitchen. The other idea is to keep a bit of the wall and turn it into a breakfast bar situation. That just feels stressful to me. I don't know why I don't like that idea. What about you? I disagree. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Go on then. So I'm with you on using paint. That's a tried and trusted trick. Absolutely go for it. Different paint to break up the space. I don't mind using different kinds of flooring, but leaving a bit of the wall and turning it into a breakfast bar, that doesn't feel stressful to me at all. I think that's quite a nice idea. We talk a lot now about moving on from open plan living to broken plan living. And broken plan living is exactly that. It's perhaps having a step to differentiate two spaces or a low wall which allows the light to flow from front to back. And you've still got that open feeling, but you've broken it up a bit. And you don't say how big the kitchen is, but having a breakfast bar means you could have stools on one side. You're giving yourself an extra place to sit. In our last house, we had quite a big kitchen and we had a sort of cooking zone. We had a table, which was a dining zone, and we had an island with stools at it. So we had sort of three different areas where you could be and use the space. So I don't think that's a bad solution. I don't think that sounds stressful, a breakfast bar. Well, there you go. So I don't know how helpful we've been, Emily. We're like, yes, you can use paint. Kate says you can use two different floors. She also says you can keep your wall and reinvent it. And I'm feeling like I'm letting you down now because I can't think of anything else. I think those are probably the three things. I mean, it's interesting. You don't talk about how high the wall goes. Now, I went on a press trip a few months ago and we stayed in a fabulous hotel in Porto. And the way they divided up the hotel rooms was they had put to divide up the bathroom, there were these walls that were three quarters high. And then on the top of them, they'd got coloured glass, might have been perspex. It allowed the light to flow through between the two spaces, but it also gave it a bit of a colour scheme. And it was quite an interesting idea. And if you do it with plain glass, then it's a sort of borrowed light thing. So I think my point would be, if you want to leave that wall you've got to anchor it and either turn it into a window at the top or knock it down completely and use paint or keep it halfway and give it a purpose as a breakfast bar or turn it into a bookcase or a display case that you can see through that could be nice on both sides or either side you could have books in the sitting room recipe Mm. books in the kitchen or you could have storage on the kitchen facing side and books on the other side. Actually, I think there's quite a lot. Oh, I you think can that'd do. be quite nice. See, we got there in the end. We got there in the end, Emily. We managed to think of something that you hadn't thought of. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that was helpful, Emily. Now let's hear from Rebecca in Ireland. She says, My name is Rebecca and I've been listening to your podcast from the start and absolutely love listening each week. We have lived in our three bed semi detached house for two years. And when we got the house, there was a horrible feature wall in the kitchen. We stripped the wallpaper back and underneath was a dark red coloured paint. The wall got painted brilliant white to see how we felt living with a light coloured wall and see where the light fell. Two years later, it's still white and I would love to inject some colour. Our kitchen is north facing and our small back garden is surrounded by trees so we don't get a lot of direct sunlight through our two windows. The cabinets are wrapped in a pine laminate and the worktop is black. The colours in our home are green, white, milky chocolate, teal and pink. 
My question to you, lovely ladies, is what would you do to decorate the kitchen? I love the idea of coloured cabinets and wallpaper, fully inspired by Sophie's recent kitchen renovation, but no idea where to start in our home. Oh, that's another great question. It's quite like Ross's, isn't it? She's looking to do a makeover on on her kitchen. Um, but this is sort of spiralling out beyond the, uh, as we've already said, Rebecca, Ross, you know, to Ross, you can obviously paint your cabinets any colour you like but you're also looking to get some colour on the walls and which colours are going to suit a dark north facing kitchen when you love greens milky chocolates teals and pinks oh what a lovely colour palette well my first inclination is you've got to decide whether you want to embrace the darkness or whether you want to try and eke out the light so it's been much talked about on the pod my old kitchen was north facing and I embraced the darkness and I made it like a little a little cupboard of foresty magic I painted the kitchen cabinets a dark forest green and I had this incredible Boris Tapita botanical wallpaper in it but it did feel really dark and I had it like that for five years and I did love it but oh I was ready to break out the darkness when it came to redo my kitchen and as a result I've gone towards the warmer sunnier shades of the yellows and the pink so I guess Rebecca you've got to ask yourself which way you want to go color wise because you could do either with your color palette you could go more towards the the chocolates and the greens and the teals or you could go a bit softer and bring in some blush pinks and milky chocolates the first thing I would say is, you know, well done for painting the wall white to see how you feel in a space. Because I think, and obviously I am completely guilty of this, so do as I do as I say, not as I do. You know, it's really good if you can live with a space for a while to see how the light falls, to see how you're reacting to a different colour. You know, obviously the dark red wasn't going to work. You went completely opposite brilliant white. And this is what happens to all of us. Two years later, you're still there. So it is time to make that decision. But you know for uh, so I applaud you for taking the time to think about it the other thing I would say and I think it's interesting Sophie's point you know we do say in a small dark room embrace the darkness I sort of feel the kitchen is the one room actually where you want to kind of go as light as you can because I loved that old kitchen of yours Sophie I absolutely did but equally I was not in there at seven o'clock on a dark winter's morning trying to start my day um so I think my temptation would be, you know, it's lovely to have a dark TV room, a dark bedroom, which is cosy where you might want to, you know, curl up and go to sleep. My instinct is to try and make the kitchen as, as light as you can. And as you point out, it doesn't have to be brilliant white. You know, you've got sort of, you know, it could be pale pink. You've got some white, you can have an off white, but I would be tempted to lighten it because you've got those dark cupboards and a dark black worktop yeah I think that what I would be doing is wallpapering you get the best of both worlds but if you pick a wallpaper that's got a light milky white background like the, the very similar to the woodland floral that I've used in my kitchen but you've got lots of color being punctuated through and what's clever with the wallpaper in that way is it's really light because the majority of the background's white but it's still popping with all the color and all the pattern the other thing about north facing rooms is they can't the light is just really flat and it can just look a bit meh and that's why i think a wallpaper 
gives a bit of extra depth and liveliness to a space. So if there is an area, or maybe it's your feature wall, you're back to wallpapering your feature wall, aren't you, Rebecca? Whether you just do it on a feature wall or, you know, I always push, push people to try and wallpaper the whole room. I did that in my old kitchen and I've done it again in the new kitchen. It depends a bit on your layout. You don't want your beautiful wallpaper too close to the oven and hob or indeed the sink, unless, of course, you protect it with a decorator's varnish. But yeah, I think that's going to be your way to incorporate a bit of lightness. The, the only thing that is slightly shouting out at me, Rebecca, that you might not have thought about, but this black worktop could be jarring. I mean, the colours you love, the green, the milky chocolate, teal and pink, not such happy partners of a black worktop, I would say. So I just consider, as we talked to with Ross, maybe changing the worktop. Next up, we've got a question on what is often the biggest dilemma for the smallest room in the house. And this is from Georgie. We have recently moved into a Victorian terrace and have a toilet related dilemma. We have a bathroom which is functional, but not to our taste, which we will do up eventually. And there is also a tiny room next to it, which is just the toilet. There's no sink. One tiny window, a bare light bulb, and it's currently painted in a lovely but dark green. Gorgeous elsewhere, not ideal for a tiny dark room. I should also add that in addition to not having a sink, the current door doesn't fit the door frame, and the whole thing gives off Matilda choky vibes, so much so that my husband won't even use it. So my question is, what do we do? Do we keep the tiny toilet-only room? Do we knock through when we do the bathroom and have a slightly odd-shaped but larger bathroom? Can we pretty it up? Perhaps add a tiny sink. We are on a very tight budget, we hear you, which we stretch to buy our dream London home. I'm not sure how much longer I can live with my own chokey. I'm not afraid of colour and love the idea of going a bit mad in the smallest room in the house. <laughs> well, we're big fans of going a bit mad in the smallest room in the house. Absolutely. I mean, I would say that... I think you should keep your WC separate from your bathroom, especially if the layout's not going to really, really work. I think it's quite handy, especially as you mentioned that you hope that your London home will eventually become a family home. If you can have separate doors on bathrooms and toilets, it's kind of really, really helps. There is a great product, which I think might solve your dilemma. And these are toilets that have integrated hand washing basins within the cistern if you can imagine such a weird thing. Um, I had a little look online to buy them new. They're around the £220 upwards, so you do need to buy a new loo, but you don't have to go to the expense of buying a tiny basin, trying to plumb it in the wall. It's not really enough room in there, so it's all a bit of a compromise. So I would check them out, and that's going to solve your basin problem. Then... It's all up into... Well, I'm going to leave you to get a carpenter around to sort your door frame. That's just, like, obvious that, that, that you need a wall, working door on there. But then it opens up all the excitement to how you're going to decorate it. Well, I mean, I think you just want to go as mad as you possibly can. <laughs> I mean, as you know, the point about... And when we... The point about these small rooms is you, you are not in them for very long. So you're not going to get bored with the pattern. You're not going to be intimidated by the colour. You know, even I would go bright colour in a downstairs loo if it was a colour and pattern I loved because it's just a short-term visit, isn't it? So, you know, embrace colours you wouldn't normally use. Wallpaper the ceiling, wallpaper halfway down the walls, all the way up the walls. You know, there are some really great colours and patterns that you can use. And I would say just 
throw everything at it, even your teeny tiny cloakroom basin. <laughs> On that, I would just say, I've seen those loos t- Sophie's talking about and they are great. I saw them first a few years ago and they were very expensive. So investigate, it's great if they've come down in price. There are also small basins you can get. We had a tiny loo in our last house and we bought a vintage basin from eBay, which was a Barbican basin. You can Google them. They're only about sort of 15 centimetres wide and they don't take up much space. So you might be able to find a very small basin and you can paint the outside of it as well and add even more colour to it. But the key point to this is keep it separate fix the door have some fun and just one other thing if you are wallpapering your tiny wc you might want to think about either tiling or wood paneling up to a kind of dado height because sometimes having wallpaper in a small space so close to the toilet bowl is not Uh, the best idea in my very small downstairs loo we've i've tiled actually up to sort of picture rail height uh in a really lovely of course i have deep cobalt blue it's my favorite color and then wallpapered above and across the ceiling so I've got a bit of splash of color that way but yes just a kind of caveat about wallpaper in small bathrooms and keeping it easy to wipe clean ladies and gentlemen very good and if you're replacing the loo wall mounted also easier to keep clean and the other final point on the wallpaper don't choose one with a very strong directional pattern Mm. you do not want leopards bumping into each other as they run higgledy-piggledy across the ceiling you want a more sort of you know general all-round pattern i think we've got time for one more question sophie have we yeah go on let's squeeze it in we've just got time for joe all the way from new zealand hi kate and sophie tapping in from new zealand and i'm a big fan of the podcast a curly question sort of about design I love a styled home and I'm passionate about interiors, but what do you do when the rest of the family don't put the same importance on it? I live with two teens, hubby and two indoor dogs and cat. I'm not overly precious about things and I have mostly op shop finds, but how do you train the family to put coats, shoes away, there is a place for them, or generally help keep a place look nice without being too rigid? Some days I wonder why I bother, as nice things get undone in a blink of an eye, like the dog putting a hole in our plaster wall as it chased the cat this week. I'd be interested on your views and laughs on this. Oh, poor Joe. Joe, I really feel for you. And I think we've probably got a lot of people nodding along to this yeah. particular dilemma. Actually, on a more sci- scientific note, the thing that this reminds me of, do you remember the amazing Professor Stephen Westland that we interviewed on the podcast a few years ago? He is a professor of colour at Leeds University and he did a whole uh, white paper on uh, how colour affects us emotionally, physically, psychologically in our interior spaces and one thing that he found through his research was there are two types of people high screeners and low screeners do you remember I've forgotten this? this this was so fascinating so your yes. high screeners go through life pretty oblivious to their surroundings they're not particularly bothered interested in the decor of their home they don't they don't see the art on the walls they don't see the mess they don't see the clutter they're just it doesn't touch them it doesn't bother them they have a high screen then listeners you have your low screeners and this is i think that's most of us, of us. <laughs> listen to this, this podcast is all of it? us and your low screeners are highly sensitive to their interior environment. These are the people who feel really triggered if they don't like the certain colours. They want everything to feel nice and it has a very direct impact 
on how they feel and how happy they are in life. So what it sounds to me like, Joe, is you're living with some serious high screeners. And it's really, really hard. It's really, really hard to get them to understand how much it means to them. And, and I think the sad thing is, is you're probably getting really dismissed as being, you know, over fussy or oversensitive or putting too much importance on trivial things. I mean, my husband's a high screener and we all know and love Tom on this podcast. But honestly, he sometimes gives me a bit of a hard time. Or he has done historically, actually, but I feel like I've managed to explain it to him enough that these things are really important to me. And if he wants me to be happy and look, happy wife, happy life, guys, I mean, have you not got that memo yet? That it's really important that they do pull together and help you have a home you love. I think my husband's got a lower screen than I have. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, you know, I hear this from both sides and... It's interesting as well because I've I've had teenage boys. They're now 20 and 22. And one of them, I remember, I took a photograph of it years ago. I asked him to tidy his room and he had a chest of drawers to put everything in. And he picked everything off the floor and he hung it over the handles of the chest of drawers rather than put it in the drawers. And now, fast forward, you know, 10 years later, he's just moved out to his student house. He has spent the weekend going to pick up the most incredible furniture. He's got free off Facebook Marketplace. He's asking me if I like this antique Victorian screen, what colour I think the Ottoman should be. You know, he's Mr House Proud. Definitely there's been a screen change. But I I think from Sophie's making it sound like there's not much you can do about it apart from be patient. You know, I mean, I'd be tempted to say you're doing all you can by providing storage that they can use. I mean, you know, lead the horse to water, can't make it drink. It's a, it's a tough one. Yeah, I, th- I think you were looking for our laughs on this, but in, in fact, I'm just weeping. We're all <laughs> yeah. crying a bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not giving you much giggles on this one, Joe. But because I think it, it is really, and it's something that I know from all the people who I teach on my in interior online school as well it's something that comes through all the time how do I get my other half on board to realize how important it is to me that I have a beautiful well-presented well-organized aesthetically lovely home and it is and the thing is what I'd say to you Joe, is it's true this is important there is science there is data behind this to, to, to show that these things do matter. And and, and train the dog. Yeah, and train. <laughs> I mean, that's quite extreme. A hole in the wall chasing the cat. <laughs> oh, we love hearing from you, whether it's to comment on the topics we discuss or resolving your design dilemma. So do continue to keep in touch. Now, before we go, I'll just remind you once more about our great Indoors Insiders Club, where you can enjoy ad-free listening, and bonus content such as exclusive interviews and webinars. Just visit thegreatindoorspodcast.com to sign up. We'll be back next week with a bumper roundup of all the new interior design books, so don't forget to tune into that. We'd also love to hear from you for our next monthly star surgery. All you need to do is send us an email, preferably a voice note. We do love a voice note, but just uh, keep it short and pithy to help at thegreatindoorspodcast.com. All that remains for now is to thank our lovely producer, Sarah Cudden of Feast Collective. And we'll see you in the great indoors. (laughs) Right. Who am I? Oh, Oh, who even knows? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Oh, dear, this is a nightmare. Right, okay. It's a nightmare or you're a nightmare. I am a nightmare. I'm a nightmare. I'm having a nightmare because you are a nightmare. (laughs) 
Okay, here we go. Shake it off. Shake it off. Okay. Shake it off. Bit of Taylor. I'm ready. 